This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Welcome, Life Church. I'm so glad that you're joining us online. You know, we've temporarily paused our services, our public services, and so we're doing this all online. And I know this might seem a little bit weird to some of you. You know, you might be sitting in your pajamas right now or your sweats right now. Uh, I'm actually, I've got some I, thoughts I want to get out of my mind because I'm wondering what you might not be wearing right now. That, that bothers me to even think about that. But, uh, but that's what happens. You know, it's just kind of weird that we're having church this way. It's even weird for me because I'm sitting here speaking to a camera in an empty room. But I'm so glad that you have decided to join us and to be a part of this. This is a, this is a great opportunity for the presence of Jesus to come in to wherever you're sitting right now, to speak to you, to challenge you, to encourage you, to build you up. And that's really what this is all about. Um, and you know, of course, we're not having public services, so we're not actually receiving offerings. You notice that we haven't talked about an offering in the last uh, couple of weeks. And, uh, and so, I, but I want you to know that we're still committed to connecting people to Jesus. We're still committed as a church to support the missionaries that we support all, all around the world. We're still committed to kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is, is one of those things that we do here at Life Church to support projects, missions projects around the world. And so I want to thank you so much for all of you that have been giving. You've been giving online. If you've never given online, you can go to Life Church now.org forward slash give. You can give online there. You can also, if you know, if, if giving online is kind of a weird thing for you, you can also mail a check in. We have our PO box 5067 Corville, Iowa. It'll be in the in the comment section there where you can see how to give. You could just mail a check. And I have to be honest, I have I have been blessed this month. I, you know, despite the whole coronavirus and all the fears and all the things that have been going on, you have been Life Church, you have been incredibly generous. And uh, this month has been a great month financially. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for believing in what, what, what we're doing. And we are committed to continue to do that all around the world. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving. Now, you know, when we think about these, uh, this, this situation that we're in right now, you know, all the alterations that we're making for how we're doing services, we're doing these uh, no, no public services, we're doing this online. There can always be, there's always like two extremes to everything that happens to us, right? And I think even now, in our culture right now, with what's happening with the coronavirus, there are these two extremes. There's, there's on the one hand, there is this, this idea that the virus is just something that's just been made up, that somehow the media has hyped this up, and that we should just be business as usual. I was watching um, the news yesterday, and there was a guy in, at, in, down in Florida in spring break, and he's like, yeah, coronavirus, I don't care. If I get it, no big deal. You know, I'm just, I'm just here having fun at the beach. I've been saving up to come here for spring break for a long time, so I'm just going to come here anyways, you know? There's that side of, of this. There's that one extreme on the one end that this is all something we should just not care about and just go about our, our normal business. The other extreme, though, is that this is the end of the world and that, man, we should be all end-time preppers. We should be stocking up. It's a good thing, you know, that, we, that we're buying all the toilet paper at Walmart or that we're buying, stocking up in water because, after all, this is the end of the world, and we should just be prepared for that, right? There's these two extremes, but the truth lies somewhere in the middle, and that's why you're watching online right now because somewhere in the middle, we have decided that, you know, it's wisdom to not have public services, but at the same time, as a church, we want to we connect with you. We want to let you know that there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to operate out of worry. In fact, I would think that and suspect that many of you right now have been worrying. 
things, worry tends to, tends to escalate in our hearts and our minds during seasons like this, you know? Fear has a way of radically changing how we live. Worry makes us tentative, makes us faithless. One thing I'm certain of in, in these rapidly changing environments, these environments where everything is getting canceled, my daughter, uh, I mean, uh, college graduations are being canceled, vacations are being canceled, the, the MLB is being canceled, the NBA season's being canceled. I mean, so much stuff is being canceled. There's one thing I am certain that will never be canceled, and that is God's promise to care for you. God cares for you. God has not abandoned you. Even right now, where you're sitting in your living room or, or maybe you're in, in, in your bedroom watching this, you need to hear this. God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. His presence transcends these walls. His presence breaks through and cuts through any virus that can, can come against us. His presence can be right now, where you are right now, can be right there visiting you, speaking to you, challenging you, encouraging you. And that's really been my prayer all week long as we've been, as we've been preparing to do this, this, uh, this video cast of our services. I've been praying that God, that the Holy Spirit would step into that room where you are at right now, that he would speak to you, that he would calm your fears, that he would challenge you to not worry. Now, I realize worry, we use the word worry and Guys, especially, we, we tend to say, well, worry, that's not my problem. That's my wife's problem. You know, like, we don't worry. But worry actually can be defined in many different ways. It can be defined as anxiety, as fear, as stress. So I'm asking you, maybe, maybe you're here right now. Are you stressed out over something? Are you stressed out over this whole coronavirus thing? Are you afraid of, uh, of what's happening maybe in your business or in your work environment? And, and, and so you're, you're now, you know, making some decisions that may not be some very good decisions, but you're making these decisions out of fear. Are you feeling anxious? I like what Chuck Swindoll says about worry. He says he calls it the universal addiction. That worry is a universal addiction because worry comes so easy to us human beings. So easily we worry about things. And because we so easily worry, so many of us are addicted to worry. The average human has anywhere between 30 and 40 unique thoughts every single minute. So if, the tr if it's true that worry is this universal addiction, then, then I wonder how many of those thoughts are incited or, or prompted by worry. How many times are we in a, in a day, in a minute, thinking about things that are causing anxiety and stress inside of us? We all have things to worry about, things to be stressed about. Maybe it's your kids and the choices that they're making in life. Maybe it's a, your 401k. You know, this is legitimate. There are people who are nearing retirement, and because of all of the market issues that are happening, they're worried about their 401k. They're concerned because it's going in the wrong direction. Maybe you're worried about your marriage. This whole coronavirus pandemic maybe is causing a lot of worry inside of you. We all have things to worry about. But here's the problem with worry. Worry skews our perspective. Worry skews our perspective. It induces irrational thinking. It causes us to make a molehill into a mountain. Essentially, worry causes us to focus on the wrong things. We focus on the problem. We focus on our, our, on our inadequacies. That's what we focus on when we worry. 
And this worry can turn into this cycle, this vicious cycle of worrying. Maybe it's about money, for example. And so you're worried about your money. You're worrying about whether you're going to have enough money. And so you start feeling incapable of fixing your money problems. And so you worry some more and you start, you start talking to your friends about it. And then you start making irrational decisions about your money, which causes you to worry even more about your money. That's the vicious cycle of worry. That we start making decisions based on things that we can't really control, that we're incapable of changing. You talked about the problem, you think about the problem, you talk to others about the problem, the focus of your attention becomes the problem. And here's what happens. All this energy gets spent, we're talking about it, we're thinking about it, we spend days, sometimes weeks, worrying about something, and at the end of the day, nothing has really been added. Nothing has really changed. Nothing has really been accomplished. Worry really is just a waste of time in many ways. So what do you do when a pandemic strikes? (laughs) You don't actually ask yourself that question very often, right? What do we do when a pandemic strikes? Let me frame it in a different way. What do you do when your 401k is going in the wrong direction and you're nearing retirement? What do you do when when your children are not making choices that you want them to make? What do you do when you go to Walmart and there's not a single roll of toilet paper in the store? I think Jesus actually has some things to tell us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now, he uses the word everyday life here. And we can assume that, well, Jesus, he's not really talking about what we're going through right now. That what we're going through right now is not everyday life. But that's not true. Because what he uses here, the Greek word he uses here is the word suke, which is the word that's often translated our soul or our very essence. In fact, Jesus goes on to explain what he talks about when he's talking about everyday life. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. It's like, He's like, Jesus saying, look, look, the birds are not up on some high wire looking down and saying, I hope we have, we have enough worms for tomorrow to eat. I hope we're going to be able to make it tomorrow. Birds aren't concerned about that because their heavenly father is taking care of them. And then Jesus says, aren't you more valuable, far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I think what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here is that worry does not add anything to our life. I mean, this verse, this passage I just read could be loosely translated. Worry is a waste of time. Worry is a waste of time. And I know that sounds harsh. You hear me say that. It it sounds really harsh. But here's why I have to tell you this. Because worry steals from you. It literally, it literally steals from you. It steals your peace. It steals your joy. It steals your ability to, to be present. It will rob you of who you are. It will rob you of, who you should, of what you should be doing in life. That's what worry does. It's a thief. It steals from you. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. This is our primary verse for, for today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, when you read this verse at first glance, you're like, what is this guy Paul talking about? Don't worry about anything. 
pray about everything? I mean, who is this guy? Has he not been watching the news? Seriously, has he not been watching? What's going on? There is a pandemic going on. My 401k is dropping. My kids are misbehaving. My marriage is on the rocks. What do you mean don't worry about anything? But pray about everything. Well, let me tell you who Paul is and the circumstances of why he's writing this letter to the Philippians. Paul's writing to a church. It's the church in the city of Philippi. It's a church that's persecuted. It's a church that really has some legitimate fears and concerns, bigger than whether their Instagram post was liked or not. It's a church that really is afraid of their, for their lives. They've been in prison. Many of them have been killed for their faith. I mean, the crisis that they're going through, I would say is probably greater than the crisis that we're going through. I don't think any of us that are listening right now, I don't think any of us are afraid of losing our lives because of being a Christian. And that's exactly who these people were. So what business does Paul have than telling these people who are at definite risk to say, hey, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Well, what gives Paul some street cred here is that he's actually writing from a prison cell in Rome. That's what he's doing. He identifies with these Philippians. He knows exactly what they're going through. He himself has been beaten for being a follower of Jesus Christ, for preaching Christ. And now he's in chains and he's writing a letter and he's telling him, don't worry about anything. That gives him some credibility, doesn't it? To be able to say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You see, Paul understood something that I think we all need to understand, especially in these, in these times of crisis like a, a virus that's spreading. And, the, and it's like we, can't, we turn the TV on and all we hear is news, newscast after newscast after newscast of how terrible the situation is. What Paul is trying to help us understand here is that the only true antidote to worry, the only true antidote to fear is prayer. Prayer. I know it sounds simplistic, and you hear me saying like, well, yeah, Rich, I mean, but prayer, really? That's all? That's what he's telling us. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Here's the deal. We're all going to experience things that are going to bring tension into our lives. They're going to make us feel stressed and worried and anxious and fearful. And if we're honest with ourselves, we cope with it in many different ways. The way I cope with it is I, if, if like right now, I'm a social person. I, I feel lonely. I'm like, come on, people. I know you don't want me to touch you, but can we at least be in the same room together? Because I don't like speaking to a church with no people sitting in here. It bothers me. And here's how I deal with it. I don't like that feeling of loneliness. And so what I do to kind of forget about it all is I get busy. I start getting active. Can you, let me tell you, I built a mud kitchen for my granddaughter this week. I built a mud kitchen for my granddaughter this week because I was, I just had to get busy. And that's the only way I don't think about all these things. Maybe some of you, the way you cope with, uh, with anxiety and stress and worry is that you, you start drinking too much or you start taking a drug or you start doing a variety of other different things. This is the vicious cycle of worry that it causes us to do things that we become irrational in how we respond to it. But Paul knows that the only true antidote to worry is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the only thing that will put you, that's going to pull you out of that rut of worry. We used to live in a little town called Rosepine, Louisiana. 
And um, uh, from, the, from the, where I lived, where, where, we, where I was a pastor in Leesville, Louisiana, to Rosepine, Louisiana, there was a 40-minute route to our house, and there was also a 25-minute route to our house. I could save 15 minutes by going down a dirt road. But um, the problem was, it was a dirt road, and Louisiana, it rains a lot. But every once in a while on a Sunday night when the service has gone long and I was just ready to get home, I'm like, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to get on that dirt road. And I, had a, I, I used to drive a, a Delta 88, 1977 Delta 88. And I would get on that dirt road and uh, I'd start, you know, cruising. And, I, and I, I mean, as I got on the dirt road, it's all slippery mud. You know, my, my tires are, are spinning, you know, and I'm kind of swerving all over that road. And, and there was a few times where I would get to a certain spot in that road. There'd be these ruts and I'd hit these ruts and then I'd get stuck. The, the, the problem with a, a 1977 Delta 88 is it doesn't have positive traction. <laughs> so when you don't have positive traction, what happens is you're stuck in the mud. You, you try to do this whole back and forth to get yourself out, but it doesn't work. What ends up happening is that one tire, one rear tire spins, and the other one stands stationary. And you're, I mean, you could, you could hear it. You're pressing the gas and it's just it's going, 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 but nothing is happening. That's exactly what worry is. You're spinning, you're spinning, you're spinning, you're spinning. A lot of activity, a lot of arguments, a lot of fuss, a lot of preparation, a lot of stuff going on. You're just spinning, 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 and nothing is being accomplished. And prayer is like calling AAA to come take you out of that hole. Paul knows this. Paul knows that prayer is the only way to get out of this rut of worry. He uses a key word here. In, in this verse, he uses the word instead. Paul knows that you cannot worry and pray at the same time. You cannot worry and pray at the same time. It's practically impossible to do that, to worry and pray at the same time. Paul basically is telling us, replace worry with prayer. See, if you know how to worry, then you know how to pray. Because you know what worry is? Worry is focusing and concentrating on the problem. You know what prayer is? Focusing and concentrating on the God who can solve the problem. That's the difference between the two. And so if you could do one, you can also do the other. Paul basically is trying to say, listen, instead of worrying, instead of following our human nature of worrying about something, why don't we step back, look at that problem and say, God, here is this problem, and that becomes prayer. God, I'm gonna give you my worries. I'm gonna give you everything. See, worry causes us to focus on the wrong things. We focus on the problem. We focus on our inadequacies. We focus on our inability to do anything about the problem. Whereas prayer causes us to focus on the right things. We focus on God and his supremacy and his power to effect change. Supremacy is just a fancy word to say that there's none higher. There's none more powerful. There's none more able than God. And so when I think supremacy, I'm thinking God is able. That's something we should put in our vocabulary, in our regular internal vocabulary. As we start struggling and stressing over worry, is to say, God, you are able. God, you are able. I can't tell you the number of times I've had challenges in my life, circumstances that would come my way. Even now, as we're going through this, this, this coronavirus pandemic, and, and, and worries would start rising up. And the first words that come out of my mouth is, God, I know you're able. God, you can get us through this. I know that, God, you're going to get us through this. God is able. I'm going to bring my problems to him, my inadequacies to him, because I'm going to trust that he is able. You know, God cares about you. You realize that? 
I think sometimes in situations like this, in fact, worry is a way of saying that, God, I'm not sure that you really do care about me. But he does. He cares about you, about you in all kinds of ways. Like, do you care about your family? Some of you care, some of you have a family, some of you have kids. I care about my family. Do you realize that God cares more about your family than you do? You care about your job prospects in the future as we're, there's a lot of people in the service, in the, in the service, uh, service industry that are struggling because they, you know, they make a, a big living. They make their living out of receiving tips. But no restaurants are open so they can receive tips. And they're worried about their future job prospect. They're worried about make, being able to pay, pay rent. It's, un, it's understandable, but do you realize that God understands that? God cares about that more than you care about that? God cares even more about your son. God cares. We've raised four kids, and, <clears throat> you know, uh, we've gone through all kinds of circumstances with our four kids. There may have been a few visits to the police department during, a, during, that, t- during that time. There's definitely been a few visits to the principal's office, right? There have been a few boyfriends come along and a few girlfriends who have come along that I've wondered, man, I don't know if I want them around my kids. And you know what? Every single time that my wife and I have worried about it, we've stressed over it, we've made irrational decisions based on the stress and the worry that we felt, there was nothing productive that would come out of that. But then when we would step back and we'd realize, you know what, God, you care more about my kids than I care about my kids. And because that's true, God, I'm gonna come to you with this thing. I'm gonna say, God, will you, will you do something, God? Will you, will you speak to my children? Will you, will, you, will you change their hearts? And every single time, every single time, God has blessed us and he's been faithful. Now, in this passage that I just read, the Apostle Paul is laying out this recipe. He's giving us clear instructions about how not to worry or how to handle worry. So he says, first, you know, when, you know, when your circumstances come in life and you, you feel this tendency to start worrying, he says, don't. Instead, you need to pray. And then he goes on. He says, tell God what we need. Tell God what you need. I think this is very practical advice that Paul is giving us here. See, because when you start telling God what we need, it brings clarity to our own heart. Oftentimes, when we're worried, we're worrying about a big problem, and we're, we're focusing on that problem, and that problem is like so magnified in our minds that we don't always see the pathway forward. But if we could identify what is it that we need from God, like for example, if it's job security, that all you have to say is, God, I need job security. I, I don't know how this is all gonna work out. I don't know how I'm gonna pay my rent. I don't know how I'm gonna you know, pay my bills. But God, I need some job security. It brings clarity. You get focused. You realize, God, you're in control. God, I need an extra $1,000 this month because I didn't get the tips I needed. Clarity. You see, when we declare when we declare this to God, when we, we start telling him what we need, we realize that it's God that we're talking to. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the realization that happens when we start praying instead of worrying. When we start telling him specifically the needs that we have, we come to this realization that it is God that we're talking to, the God who is able, the God who's able to do exceedingly abundant of all that we can ever think or ask. That's the God that we're speaking to. 
I guarantee you that that God is not up in heaven right now wringing his hands saying, what am I going to do about coronavirus? That's not God. God is able. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. You know what everything is? It's everything. <laughs> See, I, I don't think we believe that. I think we read, we, we read this verse and we say, okay, yeah, God, I will pray about some things. <laughs> Not everything, because I don't think that you can do everything. Like, I, I, yeah, okay, God, I know that you're going to take care of my church. I'll pray for my church, but can you really take care of my financial situation? I'm not sure about that one. Can you really take care of my kids? Because if you, I don't know, I think I have to intervene. I think I have to get involved here because I think I'm the one that's going to take care of my kids. Paul says, pray about everything. Everything means everything, no exceptions. There's no addiction, there's no marriage problem, there's no financial crisis, there's no virus that God is not able to intervene upon. So ask him for it, God is able. The next step is to thank him, so we tell him what we need, but then we also thank him for what he's done. You know what happens when you thank God for what he's done? It builds up faith. It's, you start thinking about what he's done. You know, I, this week I was thinking, you know what? I think I remember like 12 years ago there was an H1N1 virus that was declared a pandemic. And I started thinking about, the, God, thank you for keeping me safe, for keeping my kids safe through that. And I don't know. I mean, honestly, it was so long ago, I don't even remember if I was ever at risk about it. But thank you, God, that you kept me safe from that. And being able to thank him for that gives me the faith to believe for actually what's ahead. I can actually thank him and for providing for my family, for, for keeping my kids safe, for doing all of these things. And when I do that, it shows that I'm trusting him and it's building faith inside of me. Now, Paul says, you know, tell him, tell him everything, thank him. But then he gives us this outcome of when we pray and thank God. Verse seven, Philippians 4, 7. He says, then, I love that, then, as the worship team comes, they're going to come here in, in just a second. Um, then means after you stop worrying, when you started praying, as you started thanking him, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This is the promise that God is giving us, that if we quit worrying, if we start praying, that we can experience God's peace. You and I can have peace in the midst of storms. There's some of you watching right now that you desperately, desperately need peace. You're struggling. Maybe, maybe it's not the coronavirus. Maybe right now as you're listening to me, before the coronavirus, you were having marriage trouble. Before the coronavirus, you were having financial trouble. And now this whole coronavirus has kind of put on, been put on top of all of the other troubles you've had. And you are worried, you are concerned, and you have no peace. God wants to give you peace. Paul says, don't worry, pray instead. Now let me clarify what I mean by peace. Peace, oftentimes we think of peace, we think it's, it's the absence of, of trouble. All right? But keep in mind that Paul is in prison as he's writing this. Paul's not saying that, that God is going to give you peace if you pray, if you don't worry, if you pray, if you thank him, that God's going to give you peace. And when he gives you peace, there will be no trouble at all. Remember, he is in prison as he's writing this. 
It reminds me of the story of Peter walking on water as he was focusing on Jesus. The storm was raging. Peter was walking on water while there was a storm raging around him. The storm was not gone just because he was focused on Jesus. He was focused on Jesus and he was able to walk through the storm. And that's really the peace that, wants to, that God wants to give us, a peace that allows us to understand that his presence is greater than any problem that we might be facing right now. So how do you quit worrying? Can I, can I give you a couple practical tools for this? Um, that verse, Philippians 4, 6, I would encourage you, uh, Joyce, one of my, our, our assistant here, she, she, she has this thing called shower power. It's like, it's this eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that has all these scripture verses. She's laminated them and, and she, it's, she gave it to us to basically hang in our showers and we could read these verses. And maybe that's a way that you can do this. You can put Philippians 4, 6, and 7, put it on a, on a, on a piece of paper, something in your shower and every morning you'll see it. And what I would encourage you to do is memorize that verse. Remind yourself every single day, don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Thank him. Thank him for the things that he's done in your life. And God will bring peace into your life. So a couple things I want you to think about. I want you to think mornings and evenings. So when I think about worry, I think about morning and evening. When is the most susceptible time for us to be worried? It's in the morning. We get up in the morning, we start making our coffee, and then we start thinking about what's next. We start thinking about that difficult conversation I have to have at work. We start thinking about our finances and how, or the lack thereof, and we start worrying. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. When you wake up in the morning, pray this. God, today, I trust you with blank. Just a simple prayer. But God, I'm going to trust you with that worry. I'm going to trust you with that difficult conversation. I'm going to trust you with the health of my children. I'm going to trust you with my own health. God, I'm going to trust you with, with my financial world. I'm going to trust you with, with my job prospects. God, I'm going to trust you this morning with everything. Don't let worry steal your day away from you. And then I want you to think about at night. At night, when you go to bed, before you, before you go to bed, so here's what I do when I go to bed at night, is if I don't pray this way, if I don't do this, which can happen, what happens is I think about everything that's gone on, everything that needs to happen, and I begin to worry about that. And so at night, a simple prayer would be, God, God, today I thank you. I thank you for giving me peace as I trust you with blank. Thank you for giving me peace as I trust you all day long with this. Instead of laying there at night stressed out, you begin to thank him. Imagine if we started doing this all week. Imagine if we started having those kind of conversations with God where we're eliminating worry and praying instead. Now listen, I'm not trying to get you to pretend as if nothing is going on. I'm not trying to, I, look, things are serious, right? Things are serious that are, go, that are going on around us. There are many of you that are not going to work. There's many jobs that are being done remotely now. I get that. Things are serious. But we don't have to let those worries overtake us. As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I have been called to be able to walk through the storms of life with peace and joy. Doesn't mean storms aren't there. The storms are there, but we can have peace in the midst of that. So right now, I don't know where you are, if you're sitting in your, in your bedroom or your living room or at the, at the coffee table. Um, what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you, if you're sitting next to your spouse or you're sitting with a child, is I want you to pray. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to invite Jesus in to that room 
right now. To invite his peace in. To invite his, his presence in. So that God's, when, as God's presence comes into that room, we will be flooded with the peace. And this coronavirus thing that's kind of got us out of kilter will start dissipating. It'll become a molehill instead of a mountain in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are definitely still on the throne. God, you're not up in heaven, wringing your hands, worried about coronavirus. You're not worried about our, eco- our economy. You're not worried about our jobs, prospects. You're not worried about any of those things, God. You are fully in control. And Lord, I admit, I confess that I am not in control. I confess that I have a propensity towards worrying and fearing what's ahead. And God, I I don't want to do that anymore, Father. I want to trust you. So today, I make the choice to not worry, but instead pray. And I ask you, Father, to step into our home. Father, to, to give us peace about our job situation. Give us peace about our health. Give us peace about our finances. Give us peace about our marriage. Father, we want you more than ever before because we know you're able and you are the God of peace. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name.